Hello, Restored friends and family, and thank you for listening to our Restored Temecula podcast and following along with us as we continue into week two of our series entitled, What is the Church? Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, a portion of the audio from this week's message was lost. However, we have captured a good portion to share with you. Leading up to this point, we talked about the church being the body of Christ, and that body, the church, being made up of many members, each part being crucial to the health of the body. And we talked about the rise of individualism and how it has negatively influenced American culture away from authentic community. We need Jesus' grace more today than we ever have. But I love Ebony more today because I know her more. I know the intricacies of what she struggles with. I know what her fears are. I know what her insecurities are. And because I know her more, I have a choice. I can reject the things that I don't like about her or the things that are inconvenient for me because if my life is centered on me, or I can choose to love her fully for who she is today. The truth is that individualistic culture is wrong about where strength comes from. It does not come from within. It does not come from self. That's a lie. Think about rope. You guys know rope. It's like a bunch of threads together, right? And when they twine together and they get kind of, they intersect and they come together, it's, it's stronger. That piece of rope is way stronger than one of the threads that make up that rope. I mean, think about like the shirt you're wearing. It's fabric. It's the thread. But when it's intertwined, it's so much stronger. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that living an individualistic, isolated life is somehow you're going to find strength within yourself. That's a lie. Strength is not found in isolation. Strength is found in connection, in real connection, not faux connection, not with the filter, but the real deal. So my friend, I need to ask you this in love. How connected are you? Like, how strong are your relationships? And by strong, I don't mean how many do you have. How strong are they? How integrated are they? Better yet, how known are you? Do you find yourself presenting like, this is who I am? Can we just acknowledge that takes courage? It really does. Because you're putting yourself out there. This is, like, do you, do you find yourself presenting the real you or like this phony version? I think dating is that. I think dating is like, ugh. I feel like <laughs> pastoral counseling, I, I want to believe it, like a good 25 to 50% of pastoral counseling is dating horror stories and people who are like just dealing with the, the, the garbage and the pain of dealing with dating. But isn't that what dating is? Dating is like, hey, let me figure out what's going to make you happy. I'm going to present myself that way so that you will accept me. It's like the opposite of what you want to do if you want to find a spouse. Because all that junk is going to come to light someday. It's going to come to light someday, and it's way more devastating for someone to go, you're disgusting and awful after you've built a family and you have kids, versus like, hey, I'm disgusting and awful. You want to like give us a go? Like, that's way more productive, way more honest. It's better, okay? I think this is a spirit. Are you dating the church? Do you find yourself dating the church? 
presenting the you that you think other people might. I've dated the church. Some of the deepest pain in my life is because I've dated the church. We're going to talk about it in a couple weeks, this idea of the church is the bride of Jesus, the bride of Christ. It's his girl. And I've, I'm super guilty of mistreating his girl. Okay, I'm, 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 I need to hurry up. Um, just to review, the rise of individualistic culture, it's influenced the global church, right, and the local church, the, the local expressions of the global body. It promotes this idea that strength is found in isolation instead of authentic connection, okay? It's promoting me over we. And do you see how that divides? It separates, it isolates. You see this. So here's the big idea. Individualism says give to yourself. Christianity says give of yourself. Those are two very different things. Okay, you have this idea of each member of the body contributing to the health of the body. This is the picture of, of every person contributing and receiving. Are you tracking with this? Everybody contributing and receiving. How beautiful is that? And think about this, it's the body, right? If the stomach, if it stops like digesting food, what's gonna happen? <laughs> You're gonna be in trouble. If, if the lungs, if they, start taking it, if they stop taking in oxygen, what's gonna happen? You're in trouble. The body's gonna get jacked up. You're gonna face some significant health issues. The church, the body of Christ is no different if each member of the body of Christ isn't both contributing and receiving, we're gonna have some serious health issues, my friends. We're planning a church. We're assembling a body. Each member contributing and receiving. It's this beautiful picture of a body with Jesus at the head. That's what we're doing. So what that means is the health of this church plant is directly related to how we function together as a body. Yes, we're forming, but this body's forming, man. How we function together as a body literally directly affects the health of this body. So how does the healthy body function? Second point, the function of the body. Look back at verse uh, four in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm gonna speed up here, guys. I know I'm going long. I'm gonna read this again. We read, the, we read it already, but I wanna, I wanna point out a couple things here. Verse four, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. <clears throat> okay, Paul says that God gives gifts to every single Christian. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been baptized in the water, baptized in the spirit, you have the Holy Spirit residing in you, that means that God himself has given you a gift. Why? Look at verse seven. What does it say? To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So here's the big idea. Your gifts are given to you, but they are not for you. We're all like UPS drivers. Okay, some of us wear the short shorts, but it's not all of us do. Have you guys seen the guys with the really short ones? This guy came to my house the other day and it was actually kind of cold and he was wearing short shorts and I was like, dude, you gotta talk to your boss about a different uniform. <laughs> Either way, UP, we're, we're UPS drivers, okay? This idea of spiritual gifts. We're UPS drivers at Christmas time. That's what we are. God loads up our truck 
We got packages. We got gifts in the back. Those gifts are given to us. They're entrusted to us. The ways that God has gifted you, my friend. God's done that on purpose. They're given to you, but they're not for you. Are you tracking with this idea? Okay. They're for the common good. Um, I'm going to skip some stuff on my notes here. There's a wonderful book on, if you want to learn more about spiritual gifts, it's called The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts by this pastor, Sam Storms. I'm going to read you a quote from this book really quick. I absolutely love it. He says this. Spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. They are not some tangible stuff or substance separable from God. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts must never be viewed deistically, as if a God out there has sent something to us down here. Spiritual gifts are God present in with and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, and human love. Get this, I love this. Spiritual gifts are God going public among his people. Love that. Spiritual gifts are God going public through his people. Your spiritual gifts exist so that others can experience God's love for them. It's God loving other people through you. How amazing is that? That's miraculous, by the way. But there's this problem that we keep coming back to. Too often we live these individualistic lives. We give to ourselves instead of giving of ourselves. We use our gifts to secure an identity for ourselves. Hey, I can do this. Check me out. I'm good at this. Check me out. We give to ourselves instead of giving of ourselves. We hijack the gifts entrusted to us. We're like the UPS driver loads up the back of the truck and then drives home (laughs) and doesn't deliver the packages. Friends, your gifts are God delivering his love through you. It's beautiful. So you might be asking like, hey, how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not super hip to this. I don't know what I believe about this. I'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, this idea of spiritual gifts and what they look like specifically. But if you have questions like, hey, I'm uncertain. I know that I can kind of do that. Maybe I have these talents or I'm creative in this way or whatever, but I'm not certain what my spiritual gifts are. How do other people experience God's love through you? That might be a good thing to ask the people around you, the people that you're integrated into into, into community with. That's the point of the church. How 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 do you experience God's love through me? I need to know. You follow me? Go ahead, if you're taking notes, write down, write this down. There's a there's a list list of spiritual gifts from Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. I was going to take some time and kind of go through this, but we were like, I don't have time. But you can check these out. <clears throat> They're really helpful. This is not an exhaustive list. I'll say it again. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Um, 
I'm gonna just kind of read the list that we see there. It's not an exhaustive list. There's more, like hospitality, I believe is a spiritual gift that you don't find in that list. Um, intercession, I believe is a spiritual gift. There's debate on whether music is a spiritual gift or not. I tend to kind of lean back and forth. There are times when I'm like, I, exp- I feel God's love through someone's voice. That's happened. Yeah, you, can, you can wear that and pray that yourself. But here's the deal. I'm gonna read these to you. Tell me if anything sticks out to you. Tell me if anything sticks out to you and if anything uh, uh, that you can actually find in somebody else that you know. Oh, this person excels in this, okay? I'm just gonna read you what they are. I'm not gonna describe what they are. First one, administration. I think Melissa kills it at administration. I experience God's love through her administration all the time. Apostleship. Andy, I believe, has a, a gift of apostleship. It just means sent one. Starting new initiatives, new planning new churches, new ministries. Discernment. Evangelism. I think, I think Rory has the gift of evangelism. I think Tiffany has the gift of evangelism. Exhortation, this idea of this like, motivating spiritual growth. You could, there might be up there, good. <clears throat> Faith, trusting God. Giving, every Christian's called to give, but there's still, there's like an extra, an extra portion of giving. Healing. Knowledge, it's like words of knowledge. God bringing something to your mind supernaturally that you would not have known to build up and encourage somebody else in Jesus' love for them. Leadership, mercy. <clears throat> I, believe, I, I believe Cassie Logue has a mercy gift. That was cool. There was a, um, we were together as a church uh, a couple weeks ago and one of us was just having like a hard time and we were ministering to him and he just kind of was having a hard time and, um, <clears throat> and it was cool because he was feeling it, man. He was, he was just in a, in a, in a sensitive place and Cassie just came and cried with him and ministered to his heart. He wasn't alone in what he experienced and what he was feeling. That's mercy. Okay, miracles. Pastor, shepherd. A pastor is a shepherd. It's someone who is, Jesus is the chief shepherd, okay? A pastor is the under-shepherd. It's, it's someone who cares for the flock of God, who's intimate with the flock of God, who he knows them, knows them by name. It's not a, it's not a manager. It's not a business owner. <clears throat> a pastor is a, is a shepherd. Prophecy, serving. Again, that's a gift I think every Christian has. <clears throat> Teaching, tongues, interpretation of tongues, wisdom. I don't want to spend any more time on this. We can do a whole other message on spiritual gifts. But I think this list can be helpful in helping us identify where we can best serve the needs of the church. Okay, not the only way, but the best, <clears throat> the best way we can be equipped to do that. Okay, so let's keep reading. Verse 14, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Paul's gonna draw our attention to some important insights, okay? Excuse me. Verse 14, let's keep going. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Paul is bringing us to this place where we see that diversity in the body is absolutely necessary. It's not like a caveat, it's necessary. Okay, the church is meant to be diverse in appearance, ethnicity, 
wealth, status, age, and spiritual gifting. Why? Because think about it, the body would function horribly if everyone was an armpit. And it would reek. It would be stinky. Yes, thank you. Okay, so here's the question I have for you. When you encounter yourself with diversity of any kind, whether it's gift or age or race or gender or whatever, anything different than you, do you find yourself celebrating that diversity? Or do you find yourself comparing yourself? I believe that we compare the times when we do. I believe that when we're comparing, it's because we have this discontentment in our heart. Discontentment with the way that God made us. But that only happens if we're living individualistically. If our gifts, if they exist for us instead of for others. But if instead of giving to ourselves, we give of ourselves, then diversity becomes something that we celebrate. Because I, I receive where you're, where you're strong and I'm weak. I receive from that. So in that, in, that, in that picture, like, man, this is a gift for me. Diversity is a beautiful thing. It's not something that makes me feel insecure. It's a gift that I receive. It's the UPS man ringing my doorbell and bringing me something that I don't have. It's a beautiful thing. This is the idea of interdependence interdependence, okay? If we're members of a body, then we aren't meant to function independently. Our culture tells you, yes, self-reliance, live independently, individualistically. Okay, independent means I don't need you. Yeah, maybe we get along, we have a relationship, and that's cool, but I don't need you. That's independence. Codependence is I need you. Like I'm addicted to you. It's an unhealthy thing. Interdependence is different. Interdependence is beautiful. Interdependence is we depend on each other. And do you see that there's strength there? Individualism would lie to you and tell you that there's strength found in yourself. It's not true. Strength is found in an interdependent connection. Interdependence leads to us celebrating diversity codependence and independence, it leads to comparing, which completely undermines the whole function of a healthy body. Like it can't happen. Okay, take a time, let's keep reading. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our, more, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Paul is like begging the church to go, you need to be united. He's making the appeal for unity. He's saying, do not be divided. Do not be isolated. Be united. 
This has massive implications. What he's saying is that the health of the church, the health of the body is dependent on each of its members. Not just one, not just the pastor, not just leaders, every member of the body. So here's the big idea. What you and I do and don't do has a direct impact on the health of the other members. Do you see this? So what does that mean for us as a church plant? As a forming body. Listen, our goal is not events. Our goal, like we're gonna start, we're gonna start gospel communities in the next few, couple few weeks. Actually, after the holidays. We're gonna start these rhythms, these strategies of us as a community, a family, a body, growing in our awareness of God's love and following Jesus. That's what they exist for. The goal is not to start and operate gospel communities. The goal is not to start and operate a gathering. The goal is to be an interdependent people. Those things are great. They're strategies, but they're not the goal. Are you tracking with me? We want to see everyone contribute, everyone receive interdependence. But again, there's this underlying problem of individualism. The sinful desire to live a life that's centered on me. To give to myself. So what do we do about it? If we're going to truly be a church, if we're not going to plant just a gathering and just events, but if we're actually going to plant and form a church, what are we going to do about this? How do we combat this temptation to live an individualistic life? My friends, we need power. We need power. I'll close with this. You guys can come up. My final point, the power to actually be the body. Flip to Luke 22. I'm almost done. Luke chapter 22. This is the night before Jesus is murdered. He is having dinner with his closest friends. They're around the table. It says this, Luke 22, verse 14. And when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at the table and the apostles with him. So just picture it in your mind. They're at dinner together. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Passover is a celebration of God's goodness to them. I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine, that's wine, until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19. And he, Jesus, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, 
this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus, God in the flesh, the Savior of the world, our Messiah, the hero, Jesus willingly gave his body and his blood. He willingly submitted himself to his creation to torture him, to mock him, to spit on him. You ever been spit on? to beat him. Friends, they whipped him so bad that his back, you could see like the bones and nasty. Guys, they ripped his beard out of his face. I think sometimes we think of of what happened to Jesus as just a concept He was physically nailed to wood. Jesus knew that you and I would live these me-centered lives. That our focus would be on giving to ourselves. But Jesus, thankfully, thank you, Jesus, he's different than us. On the cross, Jesus gave of himself He gave his physical body to forgive my sin, to forgive your sin. He received our punishment for us choosing me over we. He received the punishment for us living individualistic lives to free us from the bondage of living for ourselves, And he did it to unite us to himself. Remember we talked about, we have this inheritance, we get his perfect holiness, his perfect righteousness. Jesus went to the cross to unite us together as his spiritual body, the church. My friend, it is only when you see Jesus giving of himself to you that you will actually be able to give of yourself to others. Can you see his love for you? Like, can you see it? If not, you're gonna live a me-centered life and it's gonna destroy you. If not, you'll miss out on the joy of being a member of the body of Christ of experiencing God, blessing others through you and blessing you through others. Some of you guys are like, God's quiet. I'm not experiencing him. Where is he? We are his hands and his feet. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Friends, the church is an interdependent people Jesus' body given to you. Guys, there are gifts in this room. There are gifts in this room. There are people in this room that are gifts directly from Jesus himself to you. This is my body, which is given for you. Do you see this? There are few things more beautiful than the church of Jesus.
me pray for us. Father in heaven, God, you are supreme. Hallowed be your name. You're infinitely wise. You're infinitely powerful. Jesus, thank you for your body. Thank you for your, physically, your physical body that was given to us. Jesus, you said you did it willingly. No one took your life from you. You willingly laid it down because of your great and passionate love. Your love is not like our love, Jesus. At best, my love is imperfect, and that's okay. We're like kids fumbling our way through. We're learning to walk. There's grace for that. Your grace covers it. But God, your love is different. I feel like there are wounds in the room. I feel like the body of Christ has hurt some people in the room. So Spirit of God, would you minister to those that have experienced the pain of things associated with your body not being used to, to, to contribute love, but actually bringing pain. I pray for those that have um, struggled with depression, that have felt like, you know what, I should just end this. I feel like in this moment, Jesus, you want them to know that you love them, that you're with them, you, you haven't left them, you haven't forsaken them, and you've been with them the whole time, and you have so much more to show them. And Jesus, I praise you in this moment for the work that you're doing. You're forming a, you're forming a local expression of your global body. It's so beautiful. It's radiant. Jesus, nothing compares to your girl. Jesus, nothing compares to your girl. And the fact that we are her, oh, Father, would you continue to cultivate this interdependent family, this body, everyone contributing, everyone receiving. God, would you pour out spiritual gifts, even tonight? Would you do miraculous things in us so that you can communicate your love through us? We all get to reap the benefits of that and we all get to see you glorified we get to see you manifested. It's amazing. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you for your body and your blood that bought us and united us into your spiritual body together. We love you. We praise you. And we pray these things in your beautiful and holy name. Amen.